0: This is Michigas. with your hosts, Spencer Brown, Stephen Herz, and Stephen Paradise.
1: Now, welcome to the Michigas Podcast.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Michigas. We have a very special show this afternoon, this evening. This is the Tell Me Why I'm Wrong show, and I've got two people that are more than willing to tell me why I'm wrong on a number of subjects to my left. Ironically, Stephen Hers, and to my right, somewhat ironically, also Michael Rolnick. Stephen Paradise is out doing good in the world today at a charity event, and it did not take us long to fill his spot. So with that, first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Miller Lite. Tastes great, less filling, and helps us be slightly funnier than we would otherwise. And given that this is the Michigas podcast, I'm going to start out with a Michigan topic Tell me why I'm wrong, Stephen Hers. John Beeline is a phenomenal coach for the University of Michigan, despite a tough last year or two.
0: I think it's been more like a tough 10 years. The guy had, what I'd say, a couple blips, green shoots, if he would, Alan Greenspan, with going to that one Final Four on a miracle shot by the most overrated player in college basketball and now NBA history, Trey Burke. And other than that, the guy, he stinks. He can't recruit anybody. We're not even a top 25 team e- ever, except for that one little blip. Except for the four years that we were? So Maybe. now of
2: what you just said, how much of that do you believe and how much is just is just I, telling I, you why I'm wrong?
0: I've been against Beeline for since, the last Since they two hired years. him? No, he, he was good for like those three years. He had a, a good three-year had a honeymoon. Yeah. But he's never been a great recruiter except for that little blip. And Trey Burke wasn't even recruited by Ohio State. That was a fluke of luck.
2: So Glenn Robinson Junior, Mitch McGarry, Trey Burke,
0: all not good recruits? That was it. That was part of that three year plan when he had those good recruits. That was it. But since then, who's he gotten? Moritz Wagner was the only guy recruited out of Germany last year.
2: They got the he got they got the best player out of Germany.
0: That's great. So if That's you're the A D We also you're... have the top guy from Moldova coming in next year. So if you're the A
2: D, do you make a move on John B
0: I don't know. I mean, here's the problem: when you look back at the pre-Beeline era, there was a pretty uh, awful time with Brian Ellerby and Tommy Amaker. So I, I don't know. But the the AD, whoever hired Jim Harbaugh, maybe there's another rabbit that he can pull out of their hat here. And who's
1: that rabbit? I mean, right now
0: I'd probably go with Seth Greenberg. Bring him out of ESPN. Oh, former the, former client of yours, no, correct? Current client, current client of yours. There you go.
2: All right, let's let's move on a little bit. We're going to jump back and forth. Here's one. Tell me why I am wrong, Mr. Rolnick. Donald Trump is what America needs right now. We need to blow the system up, get somebody new in there. Why is that wrong?
1: Donald Trump is the biggest disaster to hit the U.S. reputation globally. He will shake financial markets and watch everybody's pension plans and 401ks go down the toilet. He will – basically give Putin Europe, he'll cede Putin to Europe, he'll let the Syrians have a muck in the Middle East, he will let women, women stand in line at bathrooms that uh, don't have toilets flushing, and he'll let little kids, little kids not be able to go to good schools because oh, he— Oh, so he'll,
0: he'll be just like Barack Obama. Yeah,
1: maybe may, may, may a Republican version of Barack Obama, but Barack Obama's world is a world of optimism— Trump's world is a world of pessimism.
2: Uh, well. Now, let me, let me just flip that. I'll give you a chance to respond by. Tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. People that say that we should blow the system up are, maybe they're not imbeciles, but that is a stupid and imbecilic, if that's a word statement, that we're just going to blow it up. Well, I, or I, I, do, you, do you think Trump's going to blow it up? Is that no, why you like him? I, I,
0: I no, don't, I, don't, I don't like him because I think he's going to blow it up. You like him, though, right? I do like him because I think Trump is dumb like a fox, and a fox is not dumb. And the thing is, is that you have to understand, the last eight months has been all theater. That's all it's been. And all I ask people to be is patient. If he acts like the same clown that he has acted over the last eight months, fine, don't vote for
1: him. So let's, going to lose let's, talk about Trump, yeah, let's talk about Trump University and that casino well, no, no, in Atlantic City. No, no, and no, there's nothing to the talk unions.
0: about. He's... All He has a lot of scars on his record. However, what he has done, in my view, which has been very positive, he's blown up the Republican Party. And I'm a Republican, but the Republican Party over the last 20 years has been a useless party, which has been held captive by the extreme right. And I think it's about time that normal people can vote Republican again. So if he only does that, he's done a great service to the country.
2: So, you When you say a great service, now this is good... For the country because he's brought all these issues, or it would actually be good if this goes all the way through and he's able to uh, defeat your friend Hillary Clinton?
0: It'll only be good if Donald Trump proves to me and everybody else who's on the fence that he's actually a reasoned human being, and the only way he could win the Republican nomination was by going ballistic and winning the evangelical vote by just being so out there, which he did. But if he doesn't win the election and he turns the whole idea of the evangelicals controlling the Republican Party on its head, then he will have done a great service. Rockefeller Republicans can come back to the party.
1: So so you want his hand on the button?
0: I didn't say that. I said, I'm going to be patient and wait to see what he does. But right now, I think Trump is a lot more sane than anyone else does, at least among my group.
2: Well, what do you base that on? I mean, here's my take on Trump. There's no baseline for us. so. People that are going to vote for him or that will allow him to be commander-in-chief that want to blow things up, they may be blowing things up. They may be blowing
0: things up over North Korea. What has he done in his life that shows that he's uh, an irrational person? Everything he's done has been rational, though. He's been a rational father. He's been a rational businessman. He used the the, the bankruptcy code rationally. He's actually been very rational about the way he's won this election so far. So you're projecting, with all due respect.
1: He's played his cards, though, and every card he's played has turned up you know, uh, lawsuits, sexual harassment suits in his office. Every card
0: he's won, he's beaten back 16 other candidates. Can't you see what he's done has been brilliant on that level? There's no
2: doubt his brilliance in terms of being a communicator, a demagogue, and and quite frankly, a leader in that sense. But the question is, is is he stable enough to run this country? Do you want his finger on the button is sort of where it starts. And my
0: answer to you is... It's early. We're gonna wait and see. It's May thirteenth today, May fourteenth. It's early, and look, that's why we have elections in this country. You know, there's a big difference between a Republican primary and a general election. And with all due respect, maybe I'm just a little more patient than you guys, are open-minded. Actually,
1: how how do you reconcile that he's already insulted the UK Prime Minister, the new Mayor of London? Ask me that question on
0: November fourth, and I'll give you an answer. It's early. We have five and a half months to answer that question.
1: And what about the, the, the idea that America is a place of hope and optimism and, and Trump is just
0: – I'll answer that question on November 4th. I ask you to do the same thing as real good Americans. Don't prejudge the man.
2: I understand that. We're, we're, he's now been running for more or less a year. He's not you're running gonna, for president yet.
0: He's been running well, for th- the Republican nomination, which required someone to go off the rails to beat back 16 other candidates. I mean, that's what we've had is political theater. That's
1: all I'm saying. But is, isn't the Republican Party that he's in just the party of the ultra right? He is not a Republican. Donald Trump is not a Republican. He could have won the Democratic
0: nomination the same way. He's not a Republican.
2: I think that's my point. As a lifelong Republican, I feel no compulsion or obligation to vote for this man. He's not a Republican. He's not a conservative, really, if that's your thing. And to me, he's demonstrated a an unstableness, if that's a word, that instability, uh, that, uh, instability thank you, that I'm not comfortable with, you know, A, having his finger uh, on the button, and B, being in charge of the United States economy, the largest economy in the world, how's that economy going to look when we're at a two-front war, China and Mexico, trade war?
0: I won't vote for him if he doesn't come back to the middle. I will not vote for him. So, I only so, wanted him to win the primary because I think he's doing a lot of good for the country by literally reforming the Republican Party.
1: And how do you reconcile the people who know him most on the island of Manhattan voted for John Kasich?
0: I don't trust anything the people of Manhattan do. So it's fine with me. All right. And I live here.
2: Next topic. Tell me why I'm wrong. This is a mix of a Michigan and I I think what's probably going to become somewhat of a national topic. Tell me why I'm wrong. I screwed Paradise by not having him on this podcast tonight. Why is that wrong?
0: So I'm going to be defending Paradise then?
2: Correct. Why
0: is that wrong? I think we should maybe consider a different topic, because I, I don't know how you screwed the guy. He's the most unreliable human being on earth. We haven't had a podcast in four months, because he's got five kids, and— And he's a- content-free. Exactly.
1: You know, you got to have content. You have to have you, you got to be educated. And you got to read the newspaper. You can't be— And I think tonight he's being Wally Pipp by Mike Rolnick. You know, I, I think that's the problem. If you don't read the newspaper, how can you participate in the jovial debate that goes on here? Paradise reads daily costs.
0: And Huffington Post.
1: Uh, he might, but you know, uh, those newspapers are just marketed to limousine liberals on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Very good. So, so
2: we're saying our, our position, the one thing we're going to agree on is that by doing good, by going to a charity event, he got Wally Pipp tonight, and that's just, it just is the way it is.
1: It, I guess it all depends upon what size check he wrote, too.
0: That's true. We, so we, don't we know, know
1: it's not going to be that big. Yeah. So we don't have to feel too bad. Could
2: be. It could be bigger than the checks that Donald Trump has written to charity, based on the reluctance of, of his uh, tax returns to be public.
0: That's true. But again, that's why we have elections. If that's a disqualifying factor, it will be. You
1: know, I think uh, I think uh, Stephen Paradise on a podcast is more like Hillary Clinton as a presidential candidate. It's just more of the same. And sort of the more you scratch, the stickier and uglier it gets. Wow. I wow. never that's, thought I'd live long enough to there. hear Mike Rolnick criticize so, Hillary the, Clinton. <laughs> the,
2: the, the Paradise is Listening will last till about the 1036 mark of, of this podcast. All right, let's switch to another Michigan topic. And, and this one's kind of one that interests me because I'm on both sides of it. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh, tell me why I'm wrong. We should be a little nervous about the fact that everybody has the group think about Jim Harbaugh, that he's the savior, that he's doing everything right, that, that we are – just on a march towards the national championship. And we shouldn't be concerned about really any of the way that he's going about this. Why is that wrong?
0: It's because I think Jim Harbaugh is actually, if you want to talk about unstable human beings, he's right up there with your guy Donald Trump as you see him. I mean, we went to see him speak here in New York about a year ago. And the look in his eyes, the sheer glaze, the the guy scares me. I mean, I love him. He's he's like, he's a psychopath and he's my psychopath. But the guy really scares me. I don't think. But he's, he's a great recruiter, Steve. He is. He is. But I don't know if this shtick that he has can last that long.
1: So you're telling me the guy who coached Andrew Luck to being one of the most prolific quarterbacks in, in college football history, and now apparently having a wonderful professional career, can't help the University of Michigan recruit, build a team, and win a national championship.
0: He can, but he wears out his welcome really fast.
1: Well, I, I think you're right. At Stanford, he was, you know, three and under. At the 49ers, he was three and under. But really, you know, he was a turncoat on those for, for those teams. I mean, why would a man with blue in his blood go work for the Cardinal Red? Or more importantly, why would he work for the crooks that uh, the DeBartolo families put in place to, you know, run the 49ers?
0: Well, look, I like Jim Harbaugh. I want him to succeed. But no, I, I have some I, concerns about his long term. Process here.
2: I love Jim Harbaugh and I'm all in on him and I, I think everything he's done to date has been great. Uh, it's just there's something that gnaws in me that when everybody and, and everybody really does when everybody's kind of on the same page. More times than not, everybody's
1: wrong. So, so let's defend the guy a little bit. I mean, he had to work with the incompetence of Jed York at the 49ers. You know, he made a very, very good call, I think, uh, leaving Stanford on the top and leaving a good legacy at Stanford to Definitely. go to a team that, you know, he made some hard calls on quarterbacks. He, you know, kind of had the most experienced owner in the National Football League. And I think he probably realized that way before the public and, you know, jumped off a burning ship.
0: It may be true. But I think the problem with Jim Harbaugh as I see it is that if you look at Nick Saban, the guy's winning with no tricks. It's all fundamentals. It's hard work. It's getting the best players. And with Harbaugh, he's recruited very well, but it's a very short time period and it's been a lot of chicanery. So I don't know if he has, you know, gonna have tricks up his sleeve every single year.
2: So you're I mean you're you're Michael, for those that don't know, is a venture capitalist and and makes bets and tries to see things that other people don't see. Isn't it usually the case then when everybody sees it one way –
1: that it goes we're the missing. other it goes yeah. the other way. So you know, and Jim, Jim Harbaugh is an outlier though. You know, he he's kind of a guy and I think part of Michigan fans are desperate for a winner. So they look at Jim Harbaugh and they just sort of they're they're exhausted and they look at him and they assume he's a winner. But, you know, I'd also say most winners are a little insane and they have a gear in them that other people don't understand. So, he's doing a great job recruiting. He's clearly uh, able to take teams and make them winning teams very quickly, and we'll see you know how long uh, he wears on on Michigan and, and what that means. But he clearly is prolific in recruiting, and he's cl- clearly got a lot on his shoulders. And you know we'll see what happens when we uh, have our first game here in August. I
2: agree with you. All right, we'll go. We'll go. We'll go back to some national things. So on Harbaugh, our our conventional wisdom is that he's an outlier, and that. Yeah, there's some things that are a little bit different, but guys at that level are
1: different. I can yeah. I can live with that. I mean, if we were talking about Stephen Paradise, I think we'd have a different perspective. Back to Paradise. No, but I,
0: I I will defer to Ronick here because this is what he does for a living. So hopefully we're, we're all that he is an outlier. Yeah.
2: Let's uh let's actually stay on that topic. It's something that the the three of us discussed yesterday. Um, athletes and schools. so this is kind of another harbaugh thing but it's also more of a national issue so harbaugh's actually done great his first year grading out in terms of, of michigan people that graduated through the program and also uh i believe cumulative grade point average and some other honors other schools are not quite as good should should we care does it really matter whether these kids go through and do well and get degrees and is that on them or is it on the universities
0: my opinion is it's on them I mean, we, we live in a world where even our Supreme Court says that we believe in access to opportunity, not results. And so if you take away the onus of who's responsible for the results off the individual and you put it on some external third-party university administrators, what have you, I think you're doing a disservice to everybody.
1: So so come on, Steve. You don't think these universities have a responsibility to educate people that they've admitted? The, the, the term is an athlete-student. The term is student-athlete. So their first job at school is to be students. Their second job is to support the school with their athletic prowess. And what you're telling me is that Really, we're in a paradigm of where it's athlete, athlete, student. You're turning the whole paradigm
0: on its head. You are,
1: because the
0: idea that a university is responsible for educating a student makes the whole process passive for the student when it shouldn't be. It's the student's responsibility to get the education that is afforded them by the university, not the other way around. And unless the university doesn't provide classrooms, lectures, TAs, tests... If they don't do that, then I put the onus so, on them. So,
1: so we recruit these kids. We give them a free ride at college. We tell them to keep their scholarship. They have to make the team. They have to show up at practice. They have to show up at weight training. They have to show up at the meal. They have to show up at the, the event in the, at the end of the day to go over strategy and plays. And they don't have time for school. But we've, recruit, we've, re- we, we've recruited them on the basis that you know they're going to come here. They're going to get a good education. If they education. didn't
0: have time for school, then 100% of them wouldn't graduate. But they, that's but they're, completely not what's happening. But, but they're encouraged, or some of them are, are either encouraged. Encouraged not to worry
2: about school, or certainly not encouraged to but do again, well. But again, it's in not school. the
0: university's responsibility to encourage or discourage. They are there; they know what their responsibility is. You're taking responsibility. S- so, so, so a
2: coach's so, uh, sorry, a coach's responsibility is to encourage them to perform 100 percent on the field, but but has no responsibility whatsoever. To encourage them to perform in the classroom, or, or I guess in that point, I mean we didn't have a coach. I mean, when
1: I we mean, went to college. Did anybody coach nobody, us? I and mean, we, that's a, that's against the NCAA academic standards, right? The ac- cool. the academic standards of the standards of the NCAA say you know you have to maintain your GPA and you have to pass and all these other things. And what you're telling me is that students can come to college, they can basically get paid to be athletes and take a few classes in the meantime, and and we're going to give them a piece of sheepskin and and push them on.
2: All right, we need to take a break for one second to to thank our second sponsor, Morris Coupling, and particularly the owner, Howard Pollock, and his son, Leo, who's one of our greatest fans. Morris Coupling specializes in taking two pipes, putting them together, and doing it with a quality and dedication Unknown throughout the land, so we want to thank Mr. Pollock and his son Leo, a dedicated fan, and they make a fine coupling if you 're in the market
1: you know i 'd love to know what their sustainability policy is and how they 're thinking about the environment and and you know what their manufacturing principles are. What do you think about that, Mr. Hurst I think the whole conversation
0: is a bit preposterous I mean here in New York City. 70% of uh, environmental hazard comes from office buildings and other building, commercial buildings. Yet, because of the Landmark Preservation Commission, we can't tear down a building and put up a new green environmentally
1: sound building. And that's probably not too good for the people of Morris Coupling in Erie, Pennsylvania. Exactly right.
2: Or for Knoxville, Tennessee, for that matter So now, uh, tell me why I'm wrong here Like when I go, and and maybe this is a little graphic But when I go to the bathroom I'm sort of going in, I'm coming out I'm not really that worried about who's around me I'm It's a straight beeline in and out of there So tell me why I'm wrong This whole thing with transgender uh, bathrooms And with the Obama administration dictating Who can go into what bathroom Is really a great deal of nothing A great deal about nothing Well, why am I wrong on that?
0: I I don't think you're wrong. I I happen to agree with you. It is a great deal about nothing, but they're making the proverbial mountain out of a molehill here. There's a very small number of transgender people in the country, and we might have lost one yesterday, Bruce Jenner, going back to Bruce, apparently, from Caitlyn. Didn't hear that. Um, And so... You know, look, Bruce Springsteen doesn't have better things to do than to boycott a concert over transgender but, bathrooms. But, but
1: Steve, isn't this the country? I have a country, nine-year-old daughter. Isn't this the country about protecting the rights of minorities and these people are uh, a class of citizens? How about my
0: innocent nine-year-old daughter? She would you Do you feel safe if your nine-year-old daughter goes into a bathroom and a 14-year-old boy goes in and he says, Oh, hi, I'm transgender.
1: But that's just because you identify you that boy on a biological be, basis rather than on i I'm a, not
0: talking about the real transgenders, but you don't think that it's going to be abused by fake transgenders who want to go into the girls' bathroom. You know how many demented people there are in this country?
2: So, so
1: Steve, we yeah, should... Yeah, there's,
2: there's one to my left and usually another one to my right when so, paradise is here.
1: So, so, really, we should legislate to to really handle the, the corner cases of America, rather than trying to I'm in to protect... favor
0: of building transgender bathrooms everywhere. Let's see who's going to pay for it.
1: Maybe we... maybe it's a shovel-ready project. What? Obama could do maybe it. Maybe we should have a, a unisex bathroom as, a, as the policy Fine for Fine with me,
0: but I don't want 14-year-old boys in girls' bathrooms. I just think it's creating a big problem. So, so
1: Steve, you have this very concrete feel of like how you define gender, and it's based on I'm the, not defining the, bi- gender the biological at all. plumbing.
0: Well, look, here's the problem. I think the rule is going to be abused by people who are going to try to abuse it to go get a peek at little girls. I mean, there's but, a lot of but, realistically, sick, if, somebody, if somebody's
2: that sick, are they waiting for the Obama administration for any administrator to change the law? They're going to walk in anyway.
0: No, 14 year old boys in the junior high school are not going to go in there and cause trouble unless it's uh, federally mandated.
2: So on a scale of 1 to 10, where's this issue as far
0: as? In my opinion, it's a zero, but it's being blown into like the most important issue of
1: our time.
2: So who's the villain here, the Obama administration? Absolutely. I'll sign off. And
1: on. So come, come on, Stephen. Come on. Springsteen's you know. the villain too? Absolutely. So, so, so let's let's take this to another level, Steve. You have these big companies that are basically trying to uh, use their their weight, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Salesforce.com, to influence, influence public policy. Do you disagree with that?
0: I don't have a problem with it. So, I'm just not going to go buy any Bruce Springsteen albums.
1: Uh, you, so, so basically, you're you're saying because Bruce Springsteen's trying to support the plight of tra- the transgender. He's taking
0: youth. a complex issue and trying to make it very simple. He should stick to singing "Thunder Road." I like that song. So do I. I used to like it until he boycotted that concert.
2: Yeah. Are you going to boycott Springsteen? Concerts I am. Now? I have
0: been for a while now.
1: Right. You know, he's doing very well with the Europeans right now. Good for him.
2: So we're 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 that's it on transgender bathrooms. All right.
1: Tell me. It got more time than it (laughs) deserved.
2: More time than it deserved. Let's go back to Michigan because we're jumping back and forth. Tell me why I'm wrong. Michigan football, 10 and 2, we beat Ohio State.
0: I think you're wrong. I, I think Urban Meyer is on a mission. The guy is crazy. He's a different kind of crazy than Jim Harbaugh. He lost that one game last year against Michigan State. It was a fluke. And I think Ohio State is still the team to beat. Jim uh, Harbaugh is playing a character named Jim Harbaugh. I'm not. I'm not buying in completely just yet.
1: So, so how many years, Steve, do you give him to to rebuild the team and get on the right track? Because he's he's really had a short fuse up until now.
0: He's already rebuilt the team. I just don't think we're going to beat Ohio State this year.
2: I'm. I'm uh, it's a tough one. I think that this year all our pieces are back. The quarterback's a big, uh, obviously big question mark. I mean, you've got two choices. One. Uh, who's got some experience but sad out of the year John O'corn you've got a second who looked terrible although won a big game against Minnesota in uh in Wilton spite and it does not look like Shane Moore's going to play I think if the quarterback is decent we could be the team to beat and roll in there with a lot of momentum Ohio State lost 10 guys to the NFL although they reload not rebuild so uh I, I think 10 I, I think this could
0: be the year I thought that last year too Listen, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, Urban Meyer, he's got a much longer and better track record on the college game than Jim Harbaugh.
1: So, Steve, you just like Like and doing what the bookies in Las Vegas do. That's really what you're doing. You're, you're betting on Trump, you're betting on Ohio State. I I
0: won, I won 50 to 1 odds on Trump going back to July of last year.
1: All right. I'd like to To see, to win the nomination.
0: John Podhoritz, New York Post columnist. It's on Facebook. $20 $20 on a 50-to-1 bet.
1: John Horitz is a, a right-wing, ra- r- irrational thinker of the American He agrees political. with you
0: guys. He doesn't like Donald Trump.
1: He told me he had
0: no, zero chance of getting the Republican nomination. You know,
1: the most rational guy in news on this thing is Brett Stevens from the Wall Street Journal. I love Brett Stevens. Brett Stevens is right on Israel. He's right on the demise of Trump. He's right on the demise of the He criticized Venezuela Republican. today. I can't believe you would yep. like Brett Stevens.
0: So
2: let's, let's segue. Tell me why I'm wrong, and I don't think I'm wrong. Bernie Sanders is an evil character, a villain in this year's election.
1: Bernie Sanders is, 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 is really just... Populist sentiment uh, packaged in a seventy-year-old man who was probably seventy four Wood- who was probably at Woodstock and you know fell asleep like Rip Van Winkle and woke up in two thousand sixteen. But with that said, you know he's tapping into those who are disenfranchised by what's going on in Washington. They hate seeing the one percent get wealthier. They hate seeing banks getting bailed out. They hate seeing carried interest on uh, private equity firms. They hate seeing uh, Wall Street uh, essentially blow up the economy for two years, create a huge housing crisis, and then get bailed out while America is basically sitting there suffering the reverberations of what happened in 2008 and 2009. And I think Bernie Sanders has just packaged that in a way that maybe he doesn't have the precision of policy and programs to back it up, but he's just like Donald Trump, tapping into that uh, unspoken majority of voters out there.
0: I, you know, it's bizarre, but I agree with you. Bernie Sanders, to me, is a very interesting guy. He's way right and way wrong at the same time. He's right about everything you said, about all the frustrations and the reasons why he's popular. But his all of his ideas are wrong. So it's very hard right. for people to keep those two diametrically opposed ideas in their head. But he is doing something very similar to Donald Trump, and no one's talking about it. Just as Trump, I believe, is doing a service by destroying the Republican Party— Bernie Sanders is destroying the Democratic Party, and we will have not seen the end of Bernie Sanders yet until I think the middle of July, and you may have riots. Everyone was talking about having riots at the Republican convention. I think we're going to have riots at the Democratic convention. So we're
1: going to have the the, the Cleveland aid, is that we're going to have at the convention?
0: No, in, the, the, the Republican, the Republican convention is absolute circus. It's I don't gonna be think worse so at Chicago. all. I, I don't do. think so at all. I think it's going to be the de- it's going to be in Philadelphia, right? Democrat yes. yeah, in Philadelphia. yeah. The it's gonna Republican be in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, Bernie Sanders' is supporters giving death threats to the head of the Nevada Democratic. Uh, um the Party. Democratic Party yesterday. I mean, these people are not voting for Hillary. They're
1: not going but, but, down but, easy. But let's be clear, Bernie Sanders really isn't a Democrat. He's probably a member of the, well, the Socialist or Green Party. You're right. right. So you have Socialists. you have
0: a you have a Democrat who's gonna win the Republican nomination and you have a socialist who could win the Republic yeah. the Democratic And, and I think
1: what's most disingenuous – We should all vote for Gary Johnson. What's, what's most disingenuous about Bernie Sanders is he he's made this big stink about superdelegates and that these superdelegates are in the hand of Hillary Clinton. And the fact of the matter is Bill and Hillary Clinton have supported the party operations for the 30 years in their career in the party. And they've helped these people win office. They've helped these people raise money. They've helped these people –
0: But but then he's right. You're, you're destroying your own argument. The superdelegate thing is a scam.
1: But – no, but but Bernie Sanders is just a turncoat. He he, of ba- he, is. he decided that, that he couldn't win as a socialist so, right, or an independent, but so he make, decided. To, but that's
2: well, like ma- Trump. Trump's not a Republican.
0: But that doesn't make the Democratic Party process any more legitimate. Even though you're right,
1: it, well, well, it does, Steve. Because let's be clear: it's the parties who elect the candidates. It's not the population who elects the candidates. This is the Democratic. Party party primary. That's going to be very disconcerting to the Sanders
0: supporters who show up in Philadelphia, which is why I am predicting we will have riots in Philadelphia and not Cleveland. So
1: so, Mr. Mr. Hurst, I'll tell you, I participated in a caucus for Hillary Clinton delegates a couple of weeks ago in, in California. And what it turns out is that caucus process isn't run by the San Mateo County Election Board. It's run by the Democratic Party. So this whole infrastructure that we have in this this country is run by these private again private I, I, nonprofit I, organizations. I, I that agree
0: with you. You're a very educated guy. However, I don't think most Americans understand that. And when they do, and when it's put in their face, they are going to be very, very angry.
1: And I, and I, and I think that's what both Trump and uh, and Sanders are really preying upon is that the party system. Well, what what sucks. bothers me about Absolutely. Bernie
2: Sanders and the reason I think there's there's an evil element to him is that. He is a tr- not just a true believer, but here's a guy that was in Cuba in the 80s. I mean, Cuba was, a, is, was an, and always has been an evil regime. It's a communist dictatorship. There's people rotting in prisons. Bernie Sanders supports that. And, I, and quite frankly, he can't do it here. But if he could run as a communist, I think he would. I think it's like Comrade de Blasio. Those guys... Are basically communist sympathizers. That today you need to call yourself a progressive or a liberal or socialist because that won't fly here. And that's what he is. Nicaragua also in the yeah. 80s.
1: So I, I don't think so. Brady's- when
2: when when the Republicans and Ronald Reagan and a lot of Democrats were fighting for freedom, these guys were taking comfort with the enemy. And I can't get over that. So now he's a seventy-four-year-old avuncular, kind of you know crazy uncle type guy that's tapped into a lot of anger. Similarly, and, and I think he and Trump are two sides, basically, of the same coin. Completely. But, but, it, but it bothers me that Bernie Sanders took comfort for the enemy. And I, I honestly, I really see him as evil. My wife I agree. I'm Can crazy. I ask a question?
0: Of course. So you and I have talked quite a bit. I know that you absolutely ab- abhor Donald Trump. If you only had two choices to make in this election, Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump, Spencer Brown,
1: who do you vote
2: for? Uh, I'd vote for Trump twice. Wow.
0: Michael
1: Michael Rolick. That, that, that's a toss-up for me, but you know, toss-up. Here's the thing: in, in, in 1776, I wouldn't have let either of these people sign the Declaration of Independence. I don't think they're patriots. I think they're gadflies praying. On the vulnerabilities didn't of the you peop-
0: support Robert Morris over George Washington in I, I, 76? I,
1: I did not, but uh, you know, he, here's really the issue which is we have two extreme candidates really galvanizing big populations within their parties, and really it's a, a vote against the party system. And if you look at a, a great, great, uh, great man of New York, Michael Bloomberg, uh, okay. you know, they've had Uh, a a regime that's existed now for 60, 70 years, the primary system, whereby a viable third-party candidate can't literally get in the race because of the systemic problems with our party system.
2: But tell me why I'm wrong on this one. Uh, Bloomberg dropped the ball and should have run.
0: Couldn't agree more. I can't tell you you're wrong. I think he's a gigantic wimp. He had nothing to lose. He's 70 years old, 71 years old. He should have taken a shot.
1: Oh, come on, Stephen. I mean, I happened to see Hamilton Ask last night. Let, let, Let's I'm be clear. Gonna, Mike, Mike Bloomberg's gonna doing- I'm not going to blow my shot. He blew his shot. M- Mike Bloomberg probably should have gotten in the race early on. He probably should have probably gotten in the race as Republican because he uh, would have been able to take down many of these these candidates. But more importantly- He has no guts. Mike, Mike Bloomberg has a lot of guts. Mike Bloomberg's out there. He is a man on a mission to really resolve the climate crisis that, that exists not only in this country, but in the world. He's not going to do the, it from the, his the, television station. He's Sorry, the, he's the conveyor. Nobody watches. Uh, you know, if you, if hey Steve, you're, you're you're really talking from a uh an educated position because if you look at what what Mike Bloomberg's done, let's just say on, on climate change, on many of social and economic issues. Climate
0: change. I mean, he, did 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 he get the Kyoto protocols to be adhered to?
1: He, well, he just got the climate uh, the climate agreement. And even in the place. New York Times
0: says it has no teeth.
1: You 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 say it's hot, have no teeth, but these are intergovernmental organizations. Oh, so that- the
0: polar ice caps are going to stop melting because Mike Bloomberg decrees that? Are you kidding me? You don't think he would have had more more ability to make change if he had been president? Are you are you serious?
1: I, I I think he would have more change so he has no president. Guts. He should
0: have tried. What was his downside if he lost running for president?
2: Well, you sort of have some insight into this right. in, in that I believe he said that he didn't want to run if he couldn't win and felt like he couldn't win. But he
0: waited so long. Why didn't he declare in July like Trump did? Say what you want about Trump because, and, and be, hate him all you want. Because but at
1: least he went for it. Unlike Trump – Bloomberg doesn't have a hard on to be president of the United States. What he has a, a mission to do is, if there's nobody we have else, younger, younger listeners. Yeah. See, I
2: actually think. Uh, say what you want about Bernie Sanders, and I've said a lot. And I, I detest Bernie Sanders. I got to give him credit. He had the guts to run on what was more or less a hopeless. I mission. agree.
0: Same with Trump
2: because Nobody... he's a true believer. I think Bloomberg should have done that too. Would have yeah, been but, for l- the but let's be
1: clear. Bernie Sanders started this election. He didn't expect to win. And what what really happened was he lit a match. And really... remember
0: the New York Lottery uh, slogan a few years you ago: be "In it to win it." Thank you. You got to be in it to win it. And Trump. I mean, but there's Bloomberg also a really history. Me.
2: There's a history of candidates that have run to to raise issues from Bernie to. George Wallace to Eugene Debs. John Eugene, Anderson. Yeah, John Anderson. I mean, I think Bloomberg- Ross Perot. Ross Perot. I think Bloomberg would have provided a service to the country had he run just to be the voice
0: and of- And he would have reason. raised the level of dialogue. He would have raised the level of dialogue.
1: Okay, so let's let, let's be clear, Steve. Mike Bloomberg was going through a transition at his company at the time that Come was heading on, the right direction. Are you kidding me? He, are you really going to say do, that? Do you think the man- The guy's
0: worth $25 billion? 35. 35 You know what's sad is when
2: I hear going through a transition, I think of Bruce Jenner. I just that's thank
0: the you for calling her by her new name. Which so, so, you're right. so, so is, isn't the
1: travesty here that we're being faced with a choice of really picking between uh, three or four seventy-year-olds to really be the the leader and the inspiration for America? And I, I only look north to to Canada where they've now elected a 40-year-old to be prime minister, or the UK, while I don't agree with the Cameron administration, he's very aspirational in his age and his position in life and uh, uh, really addressing uh, really the populace of his country. And I think the travesty here in the U.S. is that we're voting for old people. By the way, don't count out Gary
0: Johnson. He's young. He's a libertarian. And if Mike Bloomberg wanted to make a difference in this country, he'd give the guy $100 million.
2: Speaking of... of, uh of time running out, we are, we are getting to the point where we are going to shift into the, uh, the Alphabet City part of our podcast with a couple minutes left. That is a uh, WTF, LOL, what else do we have?
1: M-O-U-S-C. M-O-U-S-C,
2: <laughs> thank you. So here's my, uh, oh, NFW, my WTF, my WTF for the week is, goes back to Donald Trump. Like, it's one thing to take on our greatest ally and basically say you're not getting along with David Cameron and call out the the Muslim mayor of London, et cetera, et cetera. It's another thing to also take on probably the greatest company that's been hatched in the United States in the last 20 years and maybe one of the greatest has ever been hatched. WTF. I mean you're going to hate our allies and you're going to hate essentially the greatest country, uh, the greatest company in the greatest country in the world and you want to be president of the United States – that's just another reason hers I'm going to add to my list. Haters are going to hate, Stephen. You didn't even mention the company. That's Amazon.com. I think our, our listeners, all 30 of them last week, look, know
0: that. Look, I love Amazon, but they are dumping their goods at a loss on the American public. And we are only too stupid and unsuspecting to see what's happening. And I agree with Trump. You think Jeff Bezos bet he, – he bought the the, the Washington Post – because he didn't want anything other than political influence. Are you that naive, Spencer Brown? Come, come he, on. He bought it for a
2: simple reason, just like uh, Sir Edmund Hillary climb Mount Everest. Because
1: it, it was there. there. Come on, Stephen, really. Amazon is probably the greatest invention on the planet. It's disintermediated... All these brick and mortar players in commerce. It's the king of the cloud. It creates It's trimi- killed the middle it, class. I is, can't
0: believe it, a guy like you so, so, could hold that viewpoint in your, in your mind and claim to be a liberal.
1: So, so, really, Steve, you want us to go back to steam engines and the printing I, press? I, I, and, I didn't and, say
0: that. But what I do think is fair, and it would hurt me as a person, but I would be willing to do it, is why should I be able to buy a pair of sneakers at a store or have to pay taxes and not pay taxes on the internet? It's a scam.
1: It's not a scam, it's a Steve. Complete it it, it scam. has to do with our our, our our old out of sight, out of mind uh, tax regime that really doesn't work in this country. And in fact, you're come you're on. I'm to not
0: familiar with the Commerce Clause. It's, no, it's interstate commerce it should be taxed.
1: But Steve, let, let, let's think about it. It's it, it's it's not a question of, of taxes. You're changing. You're 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 like Ted Cruz debating with Ted Cruz. You're changing the topic. The fact of the matter is that Amazon. Uh, for all these employees, all these union employees, is sitting in their four hundred one ks. And if you've watched the Amazon story over the last ten years, these disenfranchised uh, steel workers that you mentioned, these 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 folks at Morris Couplings, frankly, are really uh, benefiting let's from having Amazon. A, on, let's <laughs> let's <laughs> not pick on our
0: sponsors. Let's look. Let's I, I have one. WTF, and and I and I think that what's happening in this country is very dangerous. And I think we're in a bifurcated situation right now. My wife said this. The Trump voters who are – there was a story today by uh, Nate Silver or Nate Cohn rather in the New York Times about how Trump voters uh, – the, the Trump um, is polling way higher than people think because these people are being forced underground. And I think that if – if you are not in favor of transgender bathrooms or you're not in favor of gay marriage or any of these new politically expedient positions, not only can't you hold those positions, but you can't even talk about them in public. And that, I think, is doing a huge disservice to the good of our country.
1: So, Steve, come visit me out in San Francisco and I'll show you what the real face of America looks like.
0: The People's Republic. Last uh, last word
2: here, uh, Michael Romick.
1: Uh I'd like to uh, propose a eulogy to Steve Paradise and and, and hope that uh, he had a great time at his event this evening. I'm sure he— uh, For our
0: Jewish listeners, I, can we say Kaddish for yeah, him yeah, exactly, on this show? Because exactly. you've
1: replaced him. Yeah, and I, I, I'm hoping he gave more than a Hamilton for, for his contribution. But, uh, you know, uh, Steve, uh, good luck. He, and gave, a he Tubman, gave a Harriet Tubman. He gave a Harriet Tubman. I understand. He loves Harry Tubman. Yeah, exactly. So. All right,
2: and on that note, it was it was great to be back. We were better than ever, which says a lot about the present, more about the past— And we look forward to our next version of Michigas when Steven Paradise will be back. Have a good night.